Welcome to Big Bear Christian Center Sermon Audio. This morning we're in the book of John chapter 5. The man healed of the pool of Bethesda. John 5, we're going to read from 1 to 5 real quick here. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water was made well, after the stirring of the water, he was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had infirmity for 38 years. So this is the setting. Jesus is coming back into Jerusalem for a feast. We don't know which one of the feasts it is. It even could be a Passover, which would mean it's, it's at least a year later than what we're reading in just John chapter 2. But he's coming there for the purpose of going to a feast. And John is, remember, John is writing this, this gospel from probably after the destruction. And so it's interesting. He says, now there is in Jerusalem... By the sheep gate, a pool which is called Bethesda in Hebrew. So, so even though John is writing this after a lot of the, the, the temple has been destroyed, um, he is saying that there is still a pool. Now, they've actually recently found that that pool is probably the one at St. Anne's Church, and it still exists today. So he's saying there is a pool. But then the, the verbiage changed in, in verse 3, and he actually uses the, the past tense. And your Bible might, might not pick that up. But it says in the past tense, in these lay, but it's past tense. So it's actually, if you know tenses of other languages, it's the imperfect tense. And so what it means is that they, their people used to be there. They're not anymore. They're not by this pool waiting for the angels to stir them up. The pool still exists, but nobody let, rests by it at the time of the writing of John. And so all these people would be waiting for the stirring, the moving of the water. And I don't know about you, but I've read this over the years and went, what was that? Were people really healed? And when you read the commentary, some people, you know, there, there really is this, they don't know. But John is not wanting to go in and talk too much about whether there was real healing at that pool because of an angel stirring up the water or not. He says they would wait for the stirring up and whoever would get in first, the, the story was that they would be healed. And so Jesus is now walking along this area and he finds a great number of people. We don't know what that is, but it's simply that. It's a great number. It's a throng of people. There's a different different definitions. It doesn't mean a few. It's not just five or ten. It's a great multitude. And we know that it's big enough. It's a good number of people because in verse 13, which we haven't read yet, Jesus, after he does what he does in a moment, slips into the crowd and he can't find him anymore. Well, you can't slip into a crowd of three people and get lost. Right? And so, so there's a lot of people, maybe, you know, dozens, scores, maybe even hundreds of people who are, are all here at this pool of Bethesda waiting to be healed, waiting for something to happen that maybe, just maybe, it's their day to be healed. And Jesus comes along in this moment. Now, there's a certain man, verse 5, who has an infirmity and had an infirmity for 30 Eight years. That's a long time. And it says that, that he was an invalid and he couldn't step into the water. Verse 6 When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, 
he said to him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And then Jesus says, rise, take up your bed and walk. There's a great multitude of sick people. You know, we've, we've often said, you know, wow, Jesus like healed everyone he came in contact with. He heals one out of a hundred, two hundred. God picks one person out. We find in other times when we're reading about Jesus, even like with blind Bartimaeus, when Jesus was walking down the road, that, that some called out for him, right? Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. And Jesus heard and healed him. We find the woman who, who needed to be cleansed and healed of the issue of blood coming up and grabbing the robe of Jesus. People looking for Jesus to be healed. This man isn't looking for Jesus. In fact, there is nothing in this, this passage that would give us an idea that anyone even knows who Jesus is or that he's already healed people. Because they're still just sitting there and the man definitely doesn't know who Jesus is. But Jesus picks one person out of this crowd, and he knows his story. And he says, do you want to be healed? Now, that seems like a really silly question to me. Somebody's sick. You said, do you want to get better? But Jesus knew what he was doing, and there's a reason he asked that. And so he asked this question, which we could be perceived as, as silly, and he gets then a silly answer. And it's, a, it's the answer that so many of us give when we are asked a question. We don't give a direct answer. I don't know why that is. You ever been with somebody? All right, are you hungry? Breakfast. Well, did you not have breakfast because you weren't hungry? And are you still not hungry? Do you want to get no one to let me get into the water? The answer was yes. I want to be healed. Help me get into the pool. So Jesus asked this question. The man answers. And why does he answer that? Because he believes in a place of healing. That's why he answers that. The only way I can get, I get into the pool, I've been sick for 38 years and nothing is going to work. Nobody has the answer for me but this water. And just maybe if I get down in there first, then I'm healing. But no one is there to help me get to the pool. Now that's that's many of us. We have issues in our life we're struggling with. Sometimes it's a sickness. Sometimes it's a struggle with sin. And we're asked the question by God, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be restored? And we come up with these reasons that we're not. Well, I have a good enough job to pay my bills. I don't have insurance. I just don't have it. But Christ is coming to us. And do you know that Christ comes to us? That we don't have to God? You know, that I've said and I've heard in the past, is even a question, have you found God? And uh, um, Forrest Gump, when, when Sergeant Dan... Have you found Gump and enforced? Well, I didn't know I'd be looking for him, Sergeant. We don't have to go looking for Jesus. 
we don't find Jesus. We stop running from him. Jesus is just as he comes to the man at the at the Bethesda, and he comes to each of us, and he knows our name, and he knows our story, and he knows our passion. He knows us, and he comes looking for us. And when he asks us the question, we recognize and receive his answer. We come up with the reason we're still or that we're still. Now, I want to go back and talk the name of the school here. But that means house of grace. House of grace is really translation. And so... There are at the at the pool of Bethesda, which is the the house of of grace. Jesus comes and he gives grace. Grace is such an interesting word and understanding, and I don't think I've ever heard or understood or heard something that helped me really understand because I think we're we have our own ideas of what grace is, and I think it's bigger and and more. So we just grasp. One of the definitions or things about grace that I like, but I think it's it is God's at Christ's expense. G R E grace, God's at Christ's expense. When you read, there's the word is found in the Bible, 31 times. Every one of them, those are in the New Testament. 123 of the 130 of grace are in the Testament. And I think to understand grace, you need to through those scriptures and see their context and see what they're talking about. Am I popular? That could be the best. I'll grab me one. I'll change. You probably see this very well. Three columns of scripture are grace. So great scriptures. And we Immediately are beginning to think. Scripture. Any better? It's. I don't know what to. It. It. Yeah. Doesn't stop. I'll switch. I so you let me know. For grace, you've been saved of yourself. It's not of work of God. You know the word is throughout the Bible. Any of the of the of the of the letters to different say grace be with you, grace and peace be abundance. Grace, grace. So what is grace? We we know that grace that we're what is that? Part of the understanding of grace is it's a gift. It even comes from that background. It's a gift. It can be true mean like joy, life-giving. It's, it's hard to nail down the, the original. Just switch it. Until it will be. If it wasn't for that, we wouldn't need anything. So grace is a rich word, and it's it's a gift. So that means we can't earn it. 
We don't do anything to deserve it. And it gives life. It brings joy. And so in this setting of God's grace, He's giving us something that gives us life and joy. And it's free and we can't do anything. And so here, these people waiting for healing are at the house of grace, the house of life and joy and that's all free. And Jesus comes and he brings grace. And he has grace on the man at the pool. And you say, well, that's, you know, he, was it mercy? I don't know if it's just mercy because I want to talk about this guy a little bit further. In verse 9, it says, Immediately the man was made well, and he took up his bed, and he walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him, who was cured, it's the Sabbath, it's not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he said, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, who is the man who said, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn into a, a multitude being in that place. So afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you've been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Sin no more. Now this is vague, and I'm, we're not sure, but this is one of the places where Jesus actually connects a healing with sin. That, it, that it's possible that this man had been in this condition because of a sin issue. Now, maybe the, the condition itself wasn't caused because of sin, but maybe it stayed because of sin. We don't even know what his sin was. But Jesus connects the healing by saying, see, you've been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. So Jesus, so this, this man, there's something in him that Jesus is pointing at. He ever pointed at you? He's pointed at me. And he knows how to deal with the things he wants to. And Jesus is pointing at his issue. And he knows, and Jesus knows, they just didn't let us know what the sin issue is. He says, sin no more, so that nothing worse comes upon you. Jesus finds him, and he knows his story from beginning to end. And he has compassion, but he also has grace, and he heals. God finds us at whatever position we're at. And he has compassion on our situation. But he also has grace. And we certainly need grace. Like the woman who went to Napoleon, as the story goes. And her, and her son had committed a crime a number of times. The same crime a number of times. And he was being sentenced to death. And she went to him and said, Please have mercy and grace on my son. And, he, and Napoleon said, but he's committed this crime. He is deserving of death, and that is justice. And she says, sir, I'm not asking for justice. I'm asking for grace. He doesn't deserve grace. Napoleon says, he doesn't deserve. She says, exactly. If he deserved it, it wouldn't be called grace. And so he was set free. See, that's grace. We don't deserve it, but it's given. And Jesus in this moment is looking at the, the man with the issue for 38 years. And it was a bad enough issue. He couldn't get down into the, to the water himself. And he has grace. 
And when he sees him again, he says, Jesus says, sin no more. Sin no more. There's too widespread of an understanding and sometimes maybe even a teaching in the church or maybe just in our desired understanding that God is a God of grace and that he doesn't care about our sin. That's not true. He doesn't want us to continue to sin. He knows that sin destroys us. He knows that sin destroys our life. There might be freedom and grace and forgiveness in Jesus, but he doesn't say, stay in your sin, stay in your life, your lifestyle. He says, sin no more. I want to bring healing to you, but don't stay the way you are when you get healed. And some of us need physical healing, but many of us need to be healed from our past, our sin, the things that we've done. Many of us need to be healed in our minds, in our hearts, in our emotions because of the sinful lifestyle that we lived before we came to Christ. And Christ wants to come and bring grace to us. And he wants to wipe away our past. And he does. As the, our sin is removed when we come to Christ. When you come to Christ, he remembers your sin no more. I love that understanding that was just came recently from I used to misinterpret, misunderstand the scripture. And I, we would say that he forgets our sins. No, he doesn't. The Bible is specific. It doesn't say he forgets them. He says he remembers them no more. That's a choice. That's a choice. I'm not going to remember what you did. I'm not going to hold it against you. It's under the blood of Jesus. But then he says, sin no more. Sin no more. Are you in that lifestyle? Get out of that lifestyle. Don't continue to walk in it. There is grace and there's healing. But if you walk into that lifestyle, something worse could come upon you. Have you ever walked back into sin after being set free? I can't think of anything worse than coming upon me than the guilt and the shame that's connected with willfully, not, not accidentally. And I believe that sometimes we, we, we find ourselves having done something and it wasn't willful, it wasn't a choice, but we know the difference when we make that choice and say, you know what, I'm going to do this anyways. You, do you understand what I'm, the difference? And there is nothing worse than that moment that you willfully say, I'm going to do this and I don't care about the ramifications. When the conviction of the Lord comes upon and, and he deals with our heart, that's a horrible moment to find ourselves in. Sin no more. doesn't mean to be sin free. It's, it's this command of don't willfully sin. What situations are you in? What are you doing that you find yourself in these positions where you're walking and stepping back into sin? Don't do that anymore. Be healed. Be free. Rise up and walk. And it's interesting that this word walk, is they use it in the Greek just like we do in English. We say walk. Well, I'm, I, I like to walk on the stage. I know I make some of you dizzy. I, this is walking. But we, we also have another thing that we use as our Christian walk. In the Greek, it's the same. It's the same word just like it is in English. And I went, wow. 
for just a moment, let's let's use the other version of the word walk. And Jesus comes to us and says, rise up and walk. Walk in God. Let your walk in God be pure. Walk in Him. He's healing us, but He's also bringing us back. He healed the man at the pool, but He also heals him spiritually. I believe that something was happening inside of him the moment that he got physically healed, and it was made... It was revealed when Jesus came up to him and said, sin no more. And he got it. If he didn't get it, Jesus would have taken the time to explain it to him. But the man knew what his sin was. Jesus was not saying, be perfect. Don't ever make a mistake again. That's not the message of Jesus. That's not the message of Jesus. Because his grace covers our sins. He doesn't say, be perfect. Don't ever mess up again. But he does say, walk, walk in me. Don't willfully sin. Those things that are pulling you away from me, walk away from them. Choose life. It's a powerful message. We're this morning in the house of grace. And he wants to come and he wants to heal us. He wants to restore us. And set our feet on the path and walk with Him. And He wants us to draw closer to Him and grow and learn. I'm so thankful that when Christ called me out of my darkness and my sin, that He didn't deal with all of my sin all at once. My sinful lifestyle. He he forgave it all. But He didn't say, okay, now we're going to deal with everything you do wrong today. But, you know, he convicted me of certain things when I came to Christ. Immediately, he would convict my heart. And I'd begin to know that I shouldn't do that any longer. I'd struggle with that. Right? And then you'd begin to get some victory in, in, in those things that maybe you struggled with. And then he would gently, most of the time, point at something else and say, you know what, now we're going to deal with this. And I don't know if you're, again, like me, and hopefully you're not too much like me because I'm kind of weird. But that, that was the brother for the, for the album, the recording. I was young and foolish enough to think that, that after these, I mean, there's big things. When you first come to Christ, there's usually some, some big things there. Sexual immorality drunkenness, thievery, things that are pretty obvious to other people and they're pretty large. And you know what they are and they're big. And I was foolish and young enough to think that, wow, after God dealt with a couple of these big things, that I'd pretty much be sin-free. You know, I just thought, wow, when, I get a, when God helps me get a handle on this, I just won't struggle anymore. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And then finally you get victory in that area and then God starts dealing with these little things, and you went, what? Maybe a little gossip. Maybe a, a white lie here and there. But it's Him dealing with it. Him dealing with it, and it's Him bringing us closer to Him. Why? Because He wants us to be pure, and He knows that these things draw us farther away from Him, and they don't develop in us what He wants to develop in us. 
He's full of grace and mercy. But he does say, sin no more. Don't walk in it. Don't give in to the lust of the flesh. In this time also of year, it's that great time to help other people know that there is a house of grace for those that you know. Those that you know that need a healing. Those that need grace from God. That are far away from Christ. You know, I look around and I think there's a lot of open seats. And this isn't the place. They don't have to come to to church, but people need to come to Christ. And it's our job to go and win the lost. It's our job to go and make disciples. It's not the pastor's job. It's not the elder's job. It's us as believers to go and and be a witness for Christ and help other people find the grace at the pool of Bethesda, at the house of grace, so they can come and be healed also. You can begin quickly to think about the friends and relatives and the people in your neighborhood and the people in your sphere of influence who are outside of Christ who need to come back. Not, not to fill up a chair, not to punch their time clock and do their time with God. They need grace from God. They need healing from God. And that's found in Christ Jesus. And we have the answer. We get to be Christ's ambassadors to go and help people to find the grace that they need. There's a big excuse that people like to use and that, you know, church is judgmental and and it's all about the rules. People in church are judgmental and going to church is all about living according to the rules. You know, we don't teach that here. And that's not what Jesus teaches. He teaches us John 5. That he comes to a man who's been infirm for 38 years and he needs grace. And he doesn't have it within himself. He doesn't have the strength. He doesn't have the ability to get into the healing waters. So he needs somebody else to help him into the healing waters. Now, we know that the healing waters are Jesus. We know that the answer is Jesus. And that through Jesus, they can actually experience life and healing and grace and hope. But they're lost. How will we go and bring this message to them? It's not just about going on a missions trip, though missions trips are wonderful. It's not just about going downtown and passing out tracts or singing songs in the village and doing that. It's not just about going door to door to strangers. It's in our daily life. Jesus, there were times that you can read and Jesus had a plan to go and minister to a certain person. In this one, it says he was going to Jerusalem for the feast. And in the middle of his going to the feast, he comes across somebody who needs healing. Each and every day we're out there going to whatever we're going to. Will we take the time to be the house of grace and to help somebody into the pool of Bethesda? Help somebody into Jesus to help them find hope and peace and grace. There's a lot of people in this valley 
who still feel like they're supposed to go to church on Christmas and Easter. So it's a great time to invite. It's a great time to just go to your neighbor or your friend and say, Hey, are you, are you doing anything for church for this Easter? And bring them. And if they don't want to come here, bring them to the sunrise service. If they don't want to come here, go with them. I give you my permission. If you, have to go, if you want to take them to another church that's preaching the Word of God on Easter, and they say, you know, I really like the Baptist church, but I, I just don't know if I want to go this. I'll go with you. Pastor Rob gave me the Sunday off if I need it. <laughs> to take them and go with them and let Pastor Michael White, who loves God and he's going to preach the gospel to them, do that. Because I, I know that it's difficult for us maybe to have all the answers and to maybe have the right presentation to share with them. Though we need to grow in that, to be able to share our faith effectively with somebody else. But if you're uncomfortable doing that, then bring them to church. It's the Andrew ministry, just bring them to church so that they can find grace and hope and healing in the house of grace. It's the greatest thing that we have. It's the greatest thing that we can offer anyone else. You know, too many times I find myself saying this in the past, and I'm, I'm, I'm still working on it. Somebody needs an answer, and I say something like, well, I, I don't know what else I can do, but at least I can pray for you. Anything that I want to do for them is nothing. You know, I'm thinking, oh, could I buy you some food? Can I come and do something for you? No, well, at least I'll pray for you. Now, see, we got it backwards. The best that we can do is bring somebody to the Father. The best we can do is bring them hope that's in Christ. A relationship with Jesus. Introducing them to the Father for the first time. Connecting them if they've fallen away. Help people to come back to the pool of grace. Who in your life? Just close your eyes for a moment. We're going to start at the beginning and say, is this you? You might find yourself in the story this morning saying, you know, that was me or that is me. I... I was healed, but I've walked back into sin. And there's grace, and there's healing at the pool of Bethesda. You might be in here this morning, and, and I never want to take, take it for granted that everyone in here has come to know Jesus as their Savior, as their healer. You might be this person who has never come to Christ, who's never been healed, who's never received His grace. Today would be the day to do that. And there's nothing magical about certain words in a prayer, but there is something powerful about a heart that's turned to God and that comes out of our, our mouths in these words that sometimes are even hard to put together, but in a, in a prayer that comes from the heart, something like this, God, I can't do this on my own. I've tried to find wholeness and health. But I can't do it. 
And I need grace from you today. Grace for my sin. Grace for my lifestyle. God, I would ask that you would speak to me to rise, to be healed, and walk for you. Forgive me of turning my back on you, denying you, not giving in to you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creature. And there's those of us who maybe are struggling of walking back into sin. And there's grace for us. There's grace for you. Father, you know each and every heart in this room, just as you knew the man at the pool of Bethesda. You knew how long he had been there. You knew what his specific ailments were, and you knew what his sin was. Father, I pray that you would minister right now in this room and bring healing, forgiveness. God, that you would command each of us in receiving that forgiveness, in receiving that healing, to rise up and to walk for you. To not walk back into sin and the things that draw us away from you and into the world. And we can only do this by your living inside of us and helping us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Strengthen us. But Lord, we thank you for the command to rise and to walk today. And today we choose to follow you with our whole life, with our whole heart. And as we do that, as we rise today, even as we will in just a moment physically rise from our seats and we will walk out of this place, God, we want to walk with you and for you. We want to draw one step closer to you. And God, help us to have eyes that would see those around us who need to be healed and who need grace in their hour of need. They don't need a church service. They don't need religion. They need an encounter with Almighty God and the healer Jesus Christ who will come and heal us and forgive us and help us to walk anew in hope and grace. God, help us to live outside of ourselves. Be open to everything that you would lead us to. Lord, we thank you this morning for grace. We commit ourselves afresh to you. In Jesus' name.